Hey, good morning, good morning. I hope you guys are doing awesome. Hope you've had a great week. Check out my new the shirt I got from the, the boys down in the Keys. Uh, Bills, backers. Let's go, Buffalo. All you uh, Buffalo fans out there. Hope uh, things are well. We'll have a good day today, okay? We're talking about when God steps in. When God steps in. And uh, a whole lot of things happen when God steps into our world, when God steps into our life, like impossible things all of a sudden become possible. What the world would call impossible, what the medical field would say there's no hope. When God steps in or God puts his hand into something, there is always hope. And what we've said so far is that when God steps in, miracles happen. Miracles happen Every day, all around us, when God stepped into creation, a miracle happened. When God stepped into the life of Noah, miracles happened. When God stepped into Abraham's life, miracles happened. When God stepped into Isaac's life, miracles. Moses, Joshua, all of the prophets, miracle after miracle after miracle, time and time again, God has showed us that he is the God of the impossible. That what might be impossible for people is very possible and very easy for God. He doesn't always do it the way we want it to be done, but God does it his way and it's always right. And it's always perfect for everyone. God has the whole world, not just in his hands, but he has the whole world in his mind. And he knows what's best for all of us. Today, today we're gonna talk about how God stepped into the silence, the silence of 400 years of quietness, of silence, that period between the Old Testament and the New Testament, those, those times when you think in your own life that God is not listening, those quiet times, those quiet periods, whether they're for hours or days or sometimes months or maybe even years when you're not listening to God and you are moving through a period of silence in your own life because you're not paying attention or God simply is preparing for his next move and he's just not doing a whole lot at the moment. Or at least it doesn't appear that he's doing a whole lot at the moment. We want to talk about these 400 years of silence. I, you know, we flip from Malachi and we go right into Matthew. We go right out of the Old Testament, right into the New Testament. And there's always that page. In my Bible, it looks like this. That just basically says there's this period of time between these two testaments, 400 years about when nothing seemed to be happening. No new prophets spoke. No new revelations. God did nothing uh, like he had been doing in the Old Testament and like he began to do in the New Testament. There's this 400 years of time. And I don't know if you've ever thought about those 400 years of time, but that's a long time. That's a long period of time, 400 years. You just think about that. Our, our country is what, 245 years old? In 1976, we celebrated 200 years of being a, a, a nation, of being a country, of being the United States. That's just 200 years. 
And that's a long time. You think about all the generations that have come and gone since before us, before we got here, before we stepped on this little you know, country that we call the USA, America. 400 years of period that God didn't seem to do a whole lot between these two testaments. And I wonder if we've ever thought about those 400 years, you know, and what maybe was happening. I want to share with you today, maybe some things that you didn't even realize or never even thought about, or like weren't even concerned about because they just, you never asked the question. And maybe today this will prompt you to, to ask the question and to say, you know, I wonder what was going on during those years. And maybe today I'll be able to say a, some, a few things or share a few things with you that'll help you realize exactly what was going on in those years. Well, first of all, the final prophet had spoken. That's one thing we do know for sure, that Malachi had written his letter calling the people to let go of rebellion and grab on to God, to get a grip on God. <clears throat> That's what Malachi had encouraged the people to do. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 4, 5, or 5 and 6, he said, Behold, I am going to send you. This is the very end of Malachi's writing. This is the last thing we have recorded from the Old Testament that leads into that period of 400 years. Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the children to their fathers so that, so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. So this prophecy that Malachi shares about the coming of Elijah is not about the coming of the Elijah, but the coming of one that would be like Elijah, a forerunner to the the day of the Lord. He would be a forerunner to the Lord Jesus himself. 400 years from now, Malachi is saying, years from now, Malachi didn't know 400 years, he just knew at some point in the future, God was going to send his messenger that would be like Elijah, and he would prepare the way for the Lord. He would be a voice of one calling in the wilderness, make ready the way for the Lord. Remember, Elijah lived in 800 B.C., that was during the period of the kings. Remember 512, 5512, right? Five books of Moses, 12 books of history, five books of uh, poetry, five books of major prophets, 12 books minor prophets. Well, during those history period, during the kings and chronicles and Samuel, during that, that long period of, of history that we have in our scriptures, that's when Elijah lived. And then, and then Elijah was taken up and Elisha witnessed this. Elijah is taken up in a chariot of fire in, in a cloud, like in a whirlwind, and he is taken up to heaven. God takes him. He is one of the few people that never tasted death on the earth. And no, that was not like a tornado in Kansas that destroyed his house and crushed Elijah. That is not what the scripture is talking about it's talking about something very supernatural that God did as he took Elijah up and out of here in 800 BC back in the day Malachi lives in 435 BC so Elijah is clearly gone 400 years earlier remember that's longer than this country our country has even been here so that's a long time ago 
Elijah is gone. And the Old Testament period is now come to a close with Malachi. And thanks to Zechariah, and thanks to Haggai, and Ezra, and Nehemiah, the temple in Jerusalem has been rebuilt. Remember during that Old Testament period, during the prophets, the, the Israelites were led off into captivity a number of times, taken to Babylon, taken to Egypt. Uh, they were conquered by surrounding nations. But now during this period, the people are coming back into uh, uh, Israel. They're coming back to the promised land. The temple has been rebu rebuilt. And one by one, all of the prophets begin to die off. And God's people are now back in the promised land from captivity in Babylon. They've come back from there. At least most of them have come back, but they are not back with God. They've come back physically to the promised land, but spiritually they are a long way off in their relationship with the Lord during this 400-year period between the Old and the New Testament. Rebellion against God and sinful, wicked lives continue to live among the Israelite people. They continue to... Uh, allow idols and idolatry in the land they don't stand up against it they allow it to go on and because of it they are in rebellion toward God they are marrying pagans outside of their nation and God told them not to do that they no longer are giving to the Lord in his temple they're not tithing Malachi talks about that and, and that's the condition of the people. They are neglecting the temple and they're neglecting the worship at the temple and the, the temple duties that the priests were supposed to be carrying out. And so the people have wandered away from God and they are, they are far from the Lord. The Persian Empire is ruling over the land of, of the promised land at that time, even though God's people were now living there and free to move around. During these silent years, several prophecies were fulfilled that Daniel wrote about, about a number of empires that would come in and take over the land. And that happened during these 400 years. The Apocrypha books, you might have heard of the Apocrypha books, those those 14 non-canon letters. They are 14 letters that were written during this 400-year period that were never accepted by the church fathers of the, the, old, of, of the past. They were not uh, accepted by the scholars who studied all the scriptures to decide what books should be allowed in, this, in the Bible and what books were not books written by true prophets of God. And there were a number of tests that they had to go through to, to determine whether they were in or out. Of course, we know the books of Moses were in and, and all these Old Testament prophets that were known prophets and wrote about things of God and, and that God was doing that matched up with other writers in the times and were accurate. Those were the letters that were accepted as canon. Other letters were written, but not accepted as canon. That was the Apocrypha books, books like Maccabees and Tobit and Esther and the Book of Wisdom, the Book of Bel the Dragon and the Book of Judith and Baruch and some other books that, that, that were never considered divinely inspired. They're full of historical problems and they never were accepted by our church fathers. However, the Catholic Church the Catholic Church has included these books in their Bible. These 14 Apocrypha books you will find there in their Bible at this period. During these years, 
these 400 years, synagogues popped up. You know, we read about the, in the New Testament and there's these things that are in place that were not in place in the Old Testament period, like synagogues where the Jews gathered to study the Old Testament law and the prophets. Those are new in the New Testament. We don't hear about those in the Old Testament. The Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sanhedrin, these were like, these became a prominent Jewish ruling councils that weren't around during the Old Testament period, but are very much alive and well in the New Testament period when Jesus steps on the earth. These things developed and came to be during this 400 year period of silence. The final prophet Malachi had spoken and then there was what seemed to be this time of silence. And even Flavius Josephus, who was a Roman Jewish historian who lived in the first century, he said this about the times, and he wrote back then in those times. He said, no prophet arose from the time of Artaxerxes, who lived during the generation of Malachi, to this present day, no prophet of God had arisen to do anything, speak anything, or say anything from Artaxerxes, Malachi's day, to his day, which is the first century, during that 400-year period. So even a, a non-Christian a non, uh, writer, a non-Jewish writer, he was Jewish, but he was a historian, he was more of a reporter than he was uh, a believer. And he wrote about that. The final prophet, Malachi, had spoken. And then there was quiet. There was this period of silence. And you got to think about that because we don't do silence very well. Let's, let's do silence for 10 seconds. Okay, here we go. Silence for most people, especially when you're with a group, <laughs> definitely when you're with a group, is like the most awkward thing in the world. And that was just 10 seconds worth of, of silence. Could you imagine 400 years of what seemed to be silence? And here's the thing. During that period, God seemed to have taken a break. God seemed to be very quiet during the, that, those 400 year period, 400 years of signs. The scholars refer to this as the intertestamental period, the intertestament period between the old and the new. No new prophets spoke, no new revelations from God, no new prophets, no, no, no word of God for, for the new generations of people. God's people during that period would have to draw from the Old Testament history, the books of Moses and uh, the, the prophets and the poetry books that they had gathered together that were passed along through time through that Old Testament period that now they had. They would have to draw from them. The earth was chaotic and rebellious. Satan was at hard at work ruling the minds of people and evil continued to dig deep roots into the hearts of men. God's people during this time struggled. Surrounding nations continued to oppress and to keep the pressure on Israel. In fact, many empires came in and conquered the promised land and took over. 
And so, so the Persians were in control when the period begins. But then the Greeks came in and they conquered the land. And now the Jewish people were under the rule of the Greeks. And then the Egyptians came in and they conquered the land. And then the Syrians came in and they conquered the land. And then the Romans came in and they conquered the land. And that's, what's, that's who's conquering the land when we move into the New Testament. 400 years later, all these different nations, you know, it would be like China coming in, conquering the United States, and we're all living here under Chinese rule. That'd be really weird, wouldn't it? I mean, we, we can't even begin to understand what that would be like. But that's what this was like. Other nations coming in, taking over, setting up camps, setting up their government, setting up their rules, setting up their language, setting up everything. And the Jewish people were just living in the land, having to go along with whoever took over the land. Turmoil and confusion hovered over this promised land that they came in to inherit. And God seemed to be on vacation. God seemed to be on vacation. And faith would be required. Check this out. The silence of God, not just during this period, but the silence of God in your own life, is one of the most, or one of the difficult tests of faith. Just waiting on God. Just listening for God. Prayer after prayer after prayer. Day after day after day. And no audible. Okay, I'm listening. No audible. I got you. I'm going to get on to that tomorrow. There's no voice of God per se that we can go, okay, I know he heard me. It's just us and the scriptures, the Holy Spirit living in our life, and us believing with faith that our prayers are being heard by God and he's going to move and act when he thinks best. And the most difficult act of faith, the test of our faith, is just waiting. It's just the quietness. Because we get very squirmish. Right? When we don't get our way as people, we, we get antsy. We get like fidgety. We want something to get done. Like I want action now, right? How many times like with our kids, we're like that, clean your room. I said, clean your room now, you know, right? We, don't, we, were not, we're not, we have no patience for anything. And we bring that into our relationship with God. So we want God not only to hear us, but we want him to do it now. And we want to see the evidence that he's doing his job, right? We want, God, are you doing your thing? Because I'm watching you. We, we aren't good at silence. We aren't good at God saying, be patient. We're not good at that. I love this slide. Holy Saturday the, is the best reminder that the silence of God does not equal the absence of God. You think about that Friday when Jesus was crucified and we think about that Sunday when he came back to life. But for those people, there was Saturday. And I bet Saturday felt like 400 years to them. What is going to happen? Did he say something about rising from the dead? 
is Jesus really dead? I can't believe evil has won. Think about all the questions they had on Saturday and the quietness of God on Saturday. Jesus wasn't there to like console them or to comfort them or to give them another truth or another word. He was silently laying in a tomb, dead. Four hundred years of silence. For the people of God during that four hundred years, right, several generations coming and going, and God didn't seem to be doing anything. Remember, remember, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord. One day to us, or, or well, a thousand years to us is like a day to the Lord. I think I got it right that time. Like a thousand years is a day like to the Lord. It's like one day to God. Thousands of years. Think of all that would happen in the thousands of years, all the generations that would come and go and nothing would happen that we would know of. But to God, that's like, it's like a blink of the eye. God doesn't live in our time. We live in our time. 400 years of silence, 400 years of waiting, 400 years of questions. Will rescue come? Will love come down? Will God ever speak again? 400 years of quietness. And here's, here's the thing. Here's the beauty of, of this, this, this 400 year period is this. Silence from God is never silence. That, that is, you know, if we don't learn anything from this thought about this 400 year silent period. I hope we get this. Silence from God is never silence. We might call it that, but it is not that. See, like the psalmist, we ask, why God? We ask, where are you, God? We ask, is anybody listening? Is anybody even out there? Right? Is there anybody out there? Right? We ask that question. And as people, we get very impatient, we get very fidgety. You know, if the traffic light takes like 10 seconds longer than it normally takes, we get nuts, we go, we freak out. Like, what's going on here? Why is this taking forever? Like when our Big Mac takes a little too long or the line moves a little too slow. Man, we don't do it well. We don't do that well at all. We want God to do something and we want him to do it our way and we really want him to do it in our time. We want him to do it now. Well, here's a beautiful word for you today. When you can't see the wind, look for the effects of the wind. That's a profound statement. When we can't see the wind, Look for the effects of the wind. You know, if you've ever gone to a hurricane site, this one is from uh, Hurricane Florence in New Bern in 2018. I've had the honor and privilege to go to several hurricane uh, response locations to help out after, in the aftermath of a hurricane. And, and when you get there, it's always interesting, it's always several days later, a week later, 
you get there and, and, and it's usually a beautiful sunny sky clear day most gorgeous day in the world and you get there and you're like I, I don't see a hurricane I don't even see a storm there's no rain clouds even in the sky what is the deal here but then you look around and you see splintered trees you see houses washed off of their foundations you see stuff up in trees where there are still trees buildings crushed homes demolished and you know what you see you see the effects of a hurricane and they speak loud and clear you don't get to see the hurricane in that moment, but you get to see all the effects of the hurricane. And so it is with God. You may not see God, you might not hear God, but if you'll pay attention and look around, you will see the work of his mighty hand. All through time, God has spoken time and time again in creation he said let there be a whoosh there was to noah he said build a boat to moses he he spoke in a burning bush to abraham he said go to the land that i will show you and to the prophet amos god wrote and spoke to him and said the lord roars from zion we may talk about the the silent years of 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 this 400 year period, but God does not keep silent. He roars like a lion. And Job, the prophet Job said this, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when sound, when, when sound sleep falls on a man while they are slumbered in their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instructions. Half of our problem is when God does speak, we aren't listening. We aren't hearing God at all. I had one of our one of the coaches, I coached at Turn Time Middle School softball, girls softball right now. We have the greatest group of girls you could ever want, but we are not very good at the game of softball. So we have a lot of good social interaction. We have a lot of good fun doing this. But anyhow, so the girls, one of the coaches, another coach from a different sport, had to get all of our girls in the locker room because they were not taking their belts out of their pants to get their pants washed for the next game. Instruction was take your belts out, put them in your locker, leave your pants on the, in the bin and your shirts in the bin and your socks in the bin and they'll get washed for the next game. They'll be ready for you. Well, the coach comes in and, and this, to, to do the laundry and all the belts, girls leave belts in the, and Simone, one of the most awesome players on our team, Simone comes out of the locker room, I'm standing there, the coach is telling me what's going on with the belts and I say to Simone, Simone, how many times did I tell the team to take their belts out of their pants? And Simone looks at me, she, he looks, she looks at the other coach, she goes, about a thousand times. <laughs> about a thousand times. No, I did not tell them a thousand times, but you know what? Simone had my back right there, but I had tell, told them several times. They knew they should do it, and yet they didn't, they didn't do it. I told them once, I told them twice. People, right? We are people and we don't do it even though the Lord continues to speak. Silence is sometimes our problem, not God's. 
on several occasions, a voice from heaven came from above that said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Through angels, God speaks. Through messengers, God speaks. Through visions and dreams, he speaks. Through his creation outside, just look around, he speaks. Through circumstances and people, he speaks. He uses storms, he uses clouds, he uses donkeys. In his word, he speaks. Through his spirit, he speaks. Oh, God speaks in lots and lots of ways. And God surely is many, many things. But one thing is for certain, and that is this. God is never silent. God is never silent. We may think he is, but he is not. He who watches, Psalm 121 verse 4 says, He who watches, he who watches over you does not slumber, nor does he sleep. He's not in bed relaxing. He's not asleep. He is always paying attention. We call these the 400 years of silence, but the fact of the matter is this. God is always working. He is always staging. He is always preparing for what is next in his time, in his time. You see the hourglass. The hourglass had been turned over and it was just a matter of time and God was about to do something radically miraculous but there needed to be a period of time where God got everything into position way more than we could ever talk about in this message which leads us to our last thought and that is this number four from silence to salvation that hourglass dropped its last grain of sand and the New Testament period was birthed. Silence moved to salvation very quickly. And we know that God was working in the midst of the quiet and what we call the 400 years of silence. Malachi was the last prophet, but one would rise up. Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament, but one would rise up in the New Testament that would prove to be the first of many during that period when God was about to do a new thing. It was just a matter of time, God's time. In the temple, you recall, in the temple, at the birth of Jesus, there was a man by the name of Simeon. And Simeon said this, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. New Testament, 400 years later, Simeon is there, and he is waiting for God to speak again. He is waiting for God to fulfill all of that prophecy of the Old Testament. He is waiting. The Jews, many of them that were aware and understood the times and understand, understood what God did in the Old Testament, they were waiting for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for God to send his Christ. They knew God was not done, but that God was just preparing for the moment. Through the silence, the Jewish people were waiting on God. 
400 years, generation coming, generation going, every one of them anticipating, every one of them eager for God to do what he was going to do next. And what he was going to do next in the New Testament was going to be bigger than anything he had done so far. In Galatians chapter four, Paul said, but when the set time had fully come, that's big, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. When the set time had fully come. That's an important truth right there. This is the New Testament now. And they're waiting. They know. It should be no surprise that God sometimes waits to the last second to do a mighty work. He's always preparing. He's always doing his thing. We as people don't see it. And then, boom, God does his thing. There's Jesus. He arrives on the scene, right? And who would have thunk it the way it happened? Nobody would have realized how God was going to bring Jesus into this world. Even though we had all the prophecies, even though we had all the scripture, still, God, boom, God steps in at the last minute, and there this baby is born in this manger in Bethlehem. Last minute, no. God been working on that all his time. To us, shocker, surprise. And that's how God works. It should be no surprise to us. Remember, Moses was between the military force of the Egyptians and the Red Sea about to die when God stepped in and parted the sea. Noah builds this huge boat in the middle of a desert and there is no rain in sight. What are you doing, Noah? Jonah sinking to the bottom of the ocean with his last little breath of air when God provides this huge fish to save him. Abraham is about to plunge his knife into Isaac when God says, stop. That should become to no surprise to us that God is a last minute God of heroics. He is not silent. He is waiting on you and me. Many times he is simply waiting on us from silence to salvation. You know what? This should be a huge, great, humongous encouragement to you and me today. This truth about all that was going on during this intertestament period should be a huge encouragement to you and me today. Because if you think that God is not listening to you, if you think that God is not aware, guess again. Guess again. If you think that your prayers are like bouncing off of the clouds and they're not going anywhere, they are not bouncing off the clouds they are reaching their destination if they are prayers of faith and courage and honor to the Lord. They are reaching where you are aiming them at. God is prepping you. God is prepping others. God is prepping situations and circumstances. His timing is impeccable, his timing is spot on, and his timing is always perfect. You can bank on the fact that God is at work because he never sleeps and he never slumbers. And he is always ready, he is always ready to step in.
Are you ready for God to step in? You know, are you asking, crying out to God, God, step into my situation. Step into my life first, God. Help me to give you all that I am to be immersed into Christ, to be forgiven of my sin, to make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. God, first step into my life and then step into everything that I do. And everywhere that you lead me, God, please, God, be a part. Be the whole part. I don't mean a slice. Be the whole. Be a part of everything I do, think, and say. God is not silent. He's ready to work on your behalf and serve. And he wants you to work with him as a co-partner with him in the kingdom of God on this earth. I hope you're ready to go. Father, work in our hearts. Draw us close to you. Help us to live in the truth of your word and your light and help us to live by faith. To know that you're always working. Even when we can't hear you or when it seems you're quiet. Help us to know that you are never quiet. You are always working. And we love you for that, God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Have a great day. Let's play some football. Woo, woo.